Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series right now called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith with a message today that's calling all dreamers. We all have dreams. Some are known to us. Others are buried and forgotten. So where do they come from? What are we supposed to do with them? And are they from God? Pastor Sean will be teaching from the book of 2 Kings. It's time for Real Life Radio. If you have your Bibles real quickly, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians 2. We'll end up in 2 Kings again. We're going to be in 2 Kings 4 when we get there. But uh, 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to begin at verse 6 because the Apostle Paul writes something that really speaks to this whole issue that we've been talking about, this unseen faith of ours. Our series is called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. Paul writes, beginning at verse 6 in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. See, isn't that the challenge? That's the challenge that, that we are walking out this faith in a world that can't see it. They just don't see it. For us, it's real. It is a type of vision. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. So we've defined faith as a belief so strong I have to act on it because it's real. And it affects my vision, it affects my values, my life, my decisions, my daily to-do list, how I view every situation I go into, how I view relationships, how I view conflict, faith shapes how I view the world. And that's what is sometimes a rub because it's like a lens that I look at the whole world through that so many around me can't see. It's like I'm following a leader that nobody else can see. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia had a brief scene where the youngest girl, Lucy, is following and she can see the lion, Aslan, but nobody else can. And they think she's crazy. And in that little scene, I'm like, that's exactly what it's like. That's C.S. Lewis. He was pretty sharp. He should have been a writer or something. (laughs) But it's like, that's exactly what faith is like. It's like I'm following someone, something that nobody else can see. And that's the challenge. That's what is so difficult. That's why we're having this conversation. Unseen, awakening, real faith. Now, we've been looking at the life of the prophet Elisha, powerful man of God, man of faith. He was God's man representing God's work in God's power in a local context to God's people. That's what's so important for us when it comes to the Old Testament writings, because it puts it in the cultural context. In the stories, we get to see real faith at work in real life. That's what's so significant. And we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. We're going to see Elisha meets a family. But we focus in on this well-to-do woman in the town of Shunem. 
One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. She saw something different in him. She saw that he was a man of God. One day Elisha came and went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us, now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, she's well-to-do, she's among her people, she's married, she's happy. She's content, is what she's really saying. So Elisha now, talking just to his servant, she'd obviously gone, says, what can be done for her, Elisha asks. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Now I want us to kind of, as we look at the story, step back a minute. Notice the focus is on this woman, not her husband. She's married. But the focus is on her, because it's really her story. And it's her passion and her reverence for the things of God that we first encounter. She saw something in Elisha, and she wanted to bless this man of God. She wanted to facilitate his work. And so they created a special room for the man of God right there at their home, where whenever he was coming through, he could stop, he could be fed, he could stay, and have some sort of enjoy their hospitality. That's awesome. I'm going to be coming by your homes to see what kind of provision you've made for me. I look forward to seeing the wonderful quarters that you have. But there's... I'm not going to do that, okay? But obviously there's something in her that sees something and wants to be a part of, wants to take what she has and support. So it's her passion and reverence that kind of starts this whole story going. But then it is her pain that really becomes the center of the story. This phrase, the second part of chapter 16, these couple of sentences... Next year, this time, you'll hold a son in your arms. Should have been good news. Thank you. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. That, when I was reading through this passage, that caught me. Because it speaks of pain. It's like, when asked, can you do anything for me? Oh, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But that one statement reveals, I'm not good. Don't mislead me. Don't play around about that. Don't mislead. Don't kid about that. That's too deep. It's too raw. It's too real. She reveals in this the pain of barrenness. The pain of barrenness. She lived in a culture where so much of her identity and her success as a woman would be measured in giving children and particularly giving sons to her husband. And that hadn't happened for her. And her husband was now old. And it appeared like it wasn't going to happen. That pain of barrenness, that's what struck me. And it's like, wow, in a story that's kind of a neat story, moving along, all of a sudden there's this thing of, I don't even want to talk about it. Don't bring it up. 
Have you ever felt the pain of barrenness in an area of your life? And maybe even physically in that issue of children. But it can come up in a lot of different areas. Barrenness. This idea where there's supposed to be fruit, there's supposed to be produce, there's supposed to be something to celebrate and joy, and there's not. It can, it can be sometimes in a relationship. It feels barren and empty. It can be in finances. It can be in work, your vocation, what you do with your hands, what you want to do with your life. Barrenness. The Bible uses the idea of the wilderness like the wilderness is a barren place. It is dry. And there are several different stories and pictures of people in the wilderness. And the wilderness was clearly a place where you kind of wanted to get through. Okay? You didn't want to live there because nothing grew. Nothing was produced that you wanted to have produced. It was barrenness and dry. And in the wilderness, in the barrenness of the wilderness, you begin to ask the question, has God forgotten me? Does he even see me? I talk to people, and if we kind of go through the things of their lives, you can stumble on areas where they feel barren. It's like, boy, I had hopes and I had visions, and nothing has come to pass. And see, it's in the pain of barrenness that we discover the longing of a dream. In this woman, her barrenness is kind of a clue, a revelation that there's a dream in her. She's dreamed of being a mother. She's dreamed of having a child. She's dreamed of having a son. You see, for her, in their context, not having a son meant really when they died, they ceased to exist. Their name would end. Without an heir, their belongings would go to another family. And so their family line would end and they would almost ceased to exist. There would be no evidence that they had been here at all. And so there's this dream. Oh, I've got everything I need. I've got plenty of resources. I've got enough to share. I've got a husband who loves me. I've got it all. But there's this one thing. A longing for a dream. And I think in that longing for a dream, we can honestly say it's obvious. We're not made for the wilderness. Everyone goes through, but we're not supposed to live there. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, dreams, because we've all got them. I want to suggest we were created to dream dreams. Dreams are those things, and I'm not talking about what happens at night when you have REM, you know, rapid eye movement. I'm a, you know, it can, by the way, your dreams of life, your, your vision of of what the future will look like. That's what we're talking about, really. That can affect what you think about in your subconscious mind when you sleep. We're talking about envisioning a different future, to connect with something that is beyond right now. That's what I mean when I talk about dreams. And it's funny, you can talk to people for a few minutes because there's going to be one of two very strong responses when it comes to dreams. When you start talking about, tell me about your dreams, you know, your aspirations, the things that you envision for your life. Some people get all ramped up and start talking, oh man, I want to see this, 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 and this common earmark of young people, and as it should be. Oh, I want to see this, 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 and this. The world's possible. And then other people, they don't want to talk about dreams. And dreams dreams aren't for me. My feet are planted squarely on the ground here. And then almost this hardness when it comes to the idea of dreams. I think sometimes 
some of us resist our dreams because it's too painful. Because we've gone a good way down the road and haven't seen our dreams come to fruition. And if we bumped our heads a few times trying to see our dreams come about, it can affect us. We begin to, whenever the subject of dreams comes up, we back away because of fear of disappointment. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to get my hopes up. That's what I see in that Shunammite woman. Don't kid me. Don't mislead me. Don't talk about that if you can't really do something about it. Fear of disappointment. How about fear of rejection? Because if I say my dream out loud, I don't want to hear people go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't want people to look at me and go, you, are you kidding me? Maybe we've shared a dream before, shared something out loud, and had people look at us and go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Maybe fear of failure. Fear of failure because once I actually say it, put it out there, and if I go up and take a swing and I miss and I fall flat on my face, not only have I failed, but I don't even have the hope of the dream anymore. I'm just a failure. So far too often we give up and decide that dreams aren't for us. And I just want to challenge us this morning. That's a mistake. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series on faith called Unseen. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message, Calling All Dreamers. This is Real Life Radio. In Acts chapter 2, you remember what happened in Acts chapter 2, right? Jesus told disciples, wait, tarry in Jerusalem for the Spirit. I'm going to pour out my Spirit. They did. He did. Powerful manifestation. So much so that the people around them heard it. They were speaking in other tongues. Flames, what looked like flames of fire, settled on the different ones of the believers. People around were blown away. They heard the gospel, the good news being proclaimed in their own languages. They didn't know what to make of it. One guy even comments, what, are these people drunk? And then member of Simon Peter gets up and he shares a message with a bunch of people. He says, no, they're not. And then he tells them something. He says, this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. This is what we were told to wait for. And in Acts 2.17, he quotes from Joel chapter 2. He says, this thing you're seeing is going to happen to all believers. This is the Holy Spirit. And he says, and he quotes Acts 2.17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, 
So this isn't a gender thing. This isn't a race thing. This is a follower of Jesus thing. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They'll proclaim the word of God. Your young men will see vision. Your visions, your old men will dream dreams. This is something that is for every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we accept Christ as our Savior. His Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The scripture refers to our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in us, and one of the things he does, he leads us, he guides us, he redeems us, he transforms us, forgives us of sin, gives us new life, leads us in a new path following him. But one of the things that that entails is him giving us dreams. That's supposed to be normal for the spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. Life, dreams, and vision are a part of living in the spirit. And so my question to you this morning is, how are your dreams doing? Seriously, where are you on that continuum? We bring up the subject of dreams. You know, that vision for the future. That thing that you know could only come from God. How are you doing when it comes to your dreams? Are you excited, motivated, moving forward? Or are you skeptical, cynical? And hesitant to even bring up the subject, because I don't want to open the wound again. If you're taking notes, here's my main point, and I want you to remember this, because it's true. And it's from the Word of God. It's very simply this. God wants to birth a dream in you. The question is, will you trust him enough to follow it? God wants to birth a dream in you. The question is, Will you trust him enough to follow it? See, this is why we're talking about this. This is why this is such a great example of faith. This is part of the faith journey. Because a dream is something that other people can't see. A dream is something that hasn't come to fruition yet. At the beginning, it's just between you and God. It is a step of faith. It is a journey of faith. Remember what we read in 1 Corinthians 2.9? What no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. That's what I'm talking about. He used the word of mystery. If you're afraid of the mysterious and the spiritual, this whole journey of faith is going to be um, very difficult for you. God wants to birth a dream in you. The question is, will you trust him enough to follow it? And, you know, I'm not, I want to distinguish real quickly here. There's all kinds of dreams, right? There's dreams that are all flesh, you know? In other words, you know, my dream I used to have of being king of the world, that dream, you know? I, I quickly grew out of that because that was so immature. Then I went to being a superhero, okay? Which, of course, we've all had that dream. I mean, who hasn't? Uh, you know, and, and the dreams that kind of have me in the center getting famous, wealthy, and having the whole world go, you're awesome! That, you know, those dreams, I'm not talking about those dreams. I'm talking about something deeper, something more connected with who you are because God created you and he created you with gifts, abilities, he knows you and he designed you. I'm talking about faith-filled dreams. And so just this morning, I want to give you a few words of advice for faith-filled dreamers, if we have any in the room, which I hope we do. Number one, faith-filled dreams begin with a surrendered heart. 
That's where it starts out. Faith-filled dreams begin with a surrendered heart. I love this passage in the psalm, Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I hear a lot of people say, hey, just trust the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. That's a little bit of a trick verse. Did you guys catch it? The trick? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If I delight myself in the Lord, what's the desire of my heart? The Lord. And I want to say to you, the the, the simple truth is, God wants to really, he really does want to give you the desires of your heart, but first you have to trust him with your heart. First you have to trust him with your heart. I want to encourage you just as a practice, and, and you know, don't pre-evaluate, don't prejudge your dreams, but pay close attention to them. Play, pay close attention to your dreams. It is very good to analyze. They are like a window to your soul. They're like a window to your soul because they reveal what's happening inside. I think it's a good, healthy thing for us to kind of unpack our dreams and say, okay, in those quiet moments when I think about the future and, you know, the daydreams, the, the kind of dream sessions with my spouse or with someone close to me or whatever it is, those dream things, what comes out? Because that's a good indication of what's in your heart. And I want to challenge you, the idea of surrendering it to the Lord, don't just put it all on the table, all of it. And you might look at some of it, because I, I believe the whole surrender process, you put it all on the table, and then you go, here, Lord, what do you think? And you, you let him then order it the way he wants. And you're like, oh, so, that's kind of embarrassing, because I really have come to believe, as I brought that before the Lord, he doesn't want me to be a superhero. Dang. Because the Wolverine thing would be so cool, you know. What? <laughs> you're just lucky I have my shirt on. <laughs> He wondered if I'd go there. Oh, yeah, I'll go there. But, yeah, you quickly realize, okay, the whole superhero dream, that's probably not going to happen, Lord. That's not really kind of what you, you didn't, you know, give me superpowers. That should have been my first clue, okay? But the surrender part is putting it all, all there. And then saying, Lord, what do you think? And let him speak. Let him, let him kind of begin to work in your heart and reorder, rearrange. Do what he wants to do. Because the question becomes, are my dreams from God? And that's so critical. Listen, here's a principle you can take to the bank. Self-focused dreams always become self-consuming. Let me say that again. Self-focused dreams always become self-consuming. No exceptions. Here's why. Because self-focused dreams, those ones that are all about me, me you know, being elevated, me being famous, me being rich, me being recognized, whatever, whatever it may be, me, me, me. Okay? At the end of the day, they are out of alignment with how our hearts and how our lives were created. We were created to find connection, fulfillment, and ultimate joy and life in our creator. Self-focused dreams move me away from my creator and make it about me. And they always become self-consuming. I mean, some of the saddest people in the world are people who have fulfilled their dreams only to discover they're empty. They're empty and they're meaningless. Have you ever known someone like that? They've achieved the dreams of wealth, fame, success, top of their field, whatever it is, but yet there is something in it that is broken. 
something in us that is empty and it's missing. Self-focused dreams will always be self-consuming. Whereas God wants to give you dreams and visions that are in alignment with how you're wired, with how you're gifted, how he made you, that really lead to real joy, real fulfillment, real impact. So the first thing as I surrender my heart is, are these dreams from God? Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can find the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.